Good morning, church family. I am so glad you're here with us today. And as you probably know, there is something bad that's going around in our world. And I know maybe you're thinking that it's the virus, which that is obviously bad, but it's not that. So you might be thinking, oh, it's, it's the financial, it's the economy. It's not that. Of course, those are bad things. It is this. Oh, the quarantine cut. And I unfortunately became a victim of the quarantine cut this past Monday. There are people sitting around their house with nothing to do. And as they're sitting and getting bored, their hair just starts growing and growing. And they realize, hey, I own a pair of clippers. I can take this problem into my own hands. And they go to town and it's not that pretty. Despite that, despite that, I realized that I probably could do a little bit better than these guys. And so I asked Mary and the kids, I say, hey, where are my clippers? I couldn't find them. They said, we used them on the dog. It didn't go so well. And so the clippers are in the trash. Well, there was good news after that, though, because my in-laws are staying with us. And they said they had a pair of clippers. That's good. Unfortunately, they're dog clippers. And I thought for a second there, I was like, uh, should I use dog clippers? They said they'd never been used on a dog. Well, that's good then. I can use dog clippers. And so I get the clippers and I look at them and I decide, okay, I wear, I usually get a three on the sides for, for uh, my hair when I go to the barber shop. And there is a three guard. So I decide to put the three on there and I go in. Woo! The three on a dog is a little bit closer than the three on the human. I guess they're just using dog numbers for that, but I was able to go through and use some other guards and shape it out. And luckily Facebook is only in 720 PI, so you can't see super good in the HD on this. So it looks good enough, I guess, at least for this video. But it got me to thinking, just because you own a pair of clippers does not make you a good barber or hairstylist. And in the same vein, just because you decided to give your life to Christ, just because you were baptized into his name, while you received salvation at that moment of baptism, you received the salvation and eternal life in him, it doesn't mean that you end up having the desire to stop sinning. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers us a pathway of salvation when we give our lives to him. And yet, while we stand before God justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, we still struggle with temptation in our life. And you might be thinking, how can I still be a slave to sin or still feel like I'm a slave to sin? How can I still struggle with sin if I've given my life to Christ in baptism? If I've given him that life, why am I still struggling? Paul likes to tell us how we can get rid of these struggles in our life. Because just like there's a difference between owning a pair of clippers and being a good barber, there's a difference between being saved and living a holy life in Jesus Christ. Paul talks to us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We'll be in here for, for a little bit, so open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, 
since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights in the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the right hand in the place of honor and power. Set your sights in the reality of heaven. What is Paul talking about here, and what should a Christian think it means when he says, we've been raised with Christ? Now, a lot of times when we think we've been raised with Christ, we think about the idea that we are raised for an eternal life with him, which is true. But here specifically, Paul is talking about the life we are raised to, the life that we are living right here on this earth that we stand. That life is the life he's talking about in this specific passage. Okay, and what does that mean to live this new life in Christ here while we're on this earth? You see, there was something going around with the Colossians right now, and there were a lot of false prophets. And while they weren't necessarily trying to tear Jesus down all the way or speak super negative about Jesus, they were trying to bring him down back to human standards, as if he wasn't the son of God, as if he wasn't sitting at the right hand of God, exalted. It was more of he was a good prophet, right? And God and Paul wants us to understand that he is not just a prophet. He was not just a good teacher. He is the son of God, and he is sitting in the most glorified place at the right hand of God. You see, you might not struggle with false prophets in your life. That might not be a struggle that you're dealing with, but I guarantee each of us struggles with things that we decide to elevate above God. Maybe what you decide to elevate above God is your money and where you spend your finances. Maybe that's something you elevate above godly things. Or maybe it's where you spend your time. Or maybe it's where you put your hope in. Or maybe... It's where you put your trust in. And what, what Paul wants us to see here is we've got to start looking at heavenly things. We've got to look above what this is because we often put our priorities above the teachings of Jesus Christ. And remember when I said earlier that we were justified by the blood of Jesus when we gave our lives to him. And that gives us this hope of eternal salvation. Just because we are justified to stand in front of God because Jesus' blood has saved us doesn't mean that we've been sanctified into Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? That's a very churchy word. A lot of times, even uh, some versions don't even use sanctified anymore. Versions of the Bible don't use sanctified because it's a hard word to understand. Well, sanctified means the process of becoming holy, or it means set apart from the rest of this world. And what Paul wants us to understand is while we're living this life here on this earth, we can live a sanctified life, which is a much better life on this earth. It's a life that we can live that glorifies God, that sets us apart from others, and that it's something that causes us to be holy like Jesus Christ. You don't get to be sanctified the moment you're baptized, but it is something that we transform into. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, 
that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. You see, right here, Paul is specifically talking about being sanctified and ridding ourselves of sexual immorality. And while that's what he's talking about in this particular uh, verse, just as biblically, we could change and put sin, all sin, into there. So what if it said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid all sin, that each of you should learn to control your body in a way that's honorable and holy. We need to be sanctified from all the sin that controls our life because sin causes our life to spin out of control. This past December, I had the pleasure of going to Universal Studios in Florida with several of the young couples from our congregation and my, and my brother and nephews. And we had a blast. And one of the main things I wanted to do over there was ride this roller coaster. It was called Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. And on Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure, you get on this roller coaster that feels and looks like a real motorcycle. And I hadn't ridden a motorcycle since Dane was born. I sold my motorcycle right after he was born. And you get on here and the wind is going through your quarantine cut and it is the most awesome feeling. And most roller coasters, most roller coasters, when you go to the steep part, you know how they, they kind of click up, click, 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 right? This roller coaster, you're expecting to do that, but you get to the steep part and it just fires off super fast it was out of control and you just feel out of control on this on this ride by the end of it i think everyone the first time everyone rides it, they just look at each other whoa that was intense and while we might like that type of intensity on a roller coaster we don't like that type of intensity in our lives we don't want our lives to be spinning out of control and God knows that's what, how our life should be. God knows that we shouldn't have a life that spins out of control. And that's why he tells us to live a life in honor to him, a sanctified life that glorifies him. Because when we do that, we don't lose control of our life. You see, when we live a life out of control, when we give in to sexual immorality, our life spins out of control and we deal with the consequences of that type of life out of the confines of marriage. When we live a life out of control, when we can't control our anger, we end up hurting the people we love. We can end up getting in all sorts of conflicts when we burst out in anger. And these conflicts could even end you up in prison. When we don't control our tongue, we end up spreading lies about things. People can't trust us anymore. We might start spreading gossip and ruining lives. You see, God wants us to be able to control our bodies. And it's something that we also want, is to be able to control our bodies. And so that's why he says, it is his will that we be sanctified so we can avoid this sin so each of us can learn to control our body. And it says in verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 
So what does that mean to live a holy life? It means we don't give in to the temptations that we struggle with. It means that our life doesn't spin out of control because we always try to accept this instant gratification. When someone does something we don't like, we instantly burst into anger with them. If we learn to control our life through a life of holiness, a life of learning to become sanctified, we end up living a much better life. You see, Paul understood this life of instant gratification. And he knew that it only led to a life of depression and a life of destruction. And so when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, combined with the years before where he learned how to live a godly life, he was going the wrong way about it, but all that combined together taught Paul that he needs to learn to live a life with his mind set on godly things, things that are set above. In Colossians 2 through 4, it says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think about the things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with God, in, with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. See what he's saying there is continue to think about heavenly things because these heavenly things are what your real life is, what the good life is. And so he calls us to live a life that is beyond what this world can offer us. And that's a good thing because our eternal life isn't going to have a lot of the things that we deal with in this regular life. And that's a good thing because we have to put laws on all of these things on this real life life that we live or that what people would consider a real life and instead of the heavenly way of thinking of what our life should be humans like to destroy what we get our hands on and they destroy the goodness of our life and so if you go to galatians chapter 5 verse 19 it says when you, des- when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you follow the, the desires of this type of life on earth, not the heavenly life, but the life that's here on earth, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lust- lustful pleasure, idolatry, Participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is exactly what the world has to offer us. Nothing good. Outbursts of anger, jealousy, division, envy. Who would want that? And yet, it's so easy to fall into that when we don't set our mind on things above. It's so easy to go into this life, to ease, to to get angry with someone 
to be jealous about someone, to have impure thoughts. The thing that scares a lot of Christians here is when he says, let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The scary thing is we can live a life nervous because each of us commits these sins. If not on a daily basis, we can commit them a lot. And we worry about our salvation. What Paul is saying right here, he's using the Greek word that means a present tense. If you are living this lifestyle, right? Not just if you got angry at the store because someone took the last roll of toilet paper, right? What he is saying here is if you decide to live this type of lifestyle, you're developing your kingdom right here on this earth. If you're living a life of jealousy, if you're living a life of envy, if you're living a life of sexual immorality, if you're living a life of division, of hatred, of anger, your kingdom will not be above. And that's why he's saying, look to the kingdom above. And so, what does it mean? What should we be looking for in this kingdom above? Well, luckily he answers that for us in 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our life, not a life spinning out of control, but the Holy Spirit controlling our life, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. What is he saying here? You don't have any conflict with any of these things. So you can't have too much love. You cannot have too much joy. You cannot have too much peace. You can't be too kind to your children. God's saying you can have as much of all of those things as you want. And so what does that mean for us in our lives? We need to pray that God gives us more and more of this every day. And so how we become sanctified, how we live a holier life, we start praying, God, show me how to love better, right? We wonder, uh, am, I show, am, I, am I joyful enough in this world? Does God want you to be happy? Yes, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be filled with joy. And so how can I be more joyful today or should I just complain? No, set your mind on things above, be joyful. How can I be more gentle when I talk with my kids? How can I be more kind to my neighbor? How can I be more faithful to God, more faithful in my Bible study, more faithful to my spouse? How can I have more self-control and get rid of all the evil desires in my life? You do that by practicing these fruits. You see, just because you got a pair of clippers does not make you a barber, does not make you a good one for sure. You've got to work on that. You're not going to work on my hair with that, but you've got to work on it. And just like you've been saved for eternal life, it does not make you sanctified or holy. It makes you have the ability to start working on it because the Spirit gives us that. And so we pray for the Spirit to continue to work in our life. Take one or two of those every day this week. 
and continue this, this practice and pray to God, help me to be good. Help me to be kind. Help me to be more faithful. Help me to be more gentle. Pray that. Work on that. When you fail, that's okay. We ask God for forgiveness and we keep on working at it more the next day. You see, if you don't know the love of God, if you don't know how much he loves you and how much he wants your life on this earth to be, you can meet him and you can know him and he can give you the spirit that will help you work on these things. And you can be baptized into his name and you can be raised with him that you can have eternal life with him. And that will be your first step to a holy life with him here on this earth. A better life. A life where you can say no to your sinful nature. And a life where you can start building and transforming your life in him. You can have that today. Call me. My number's right over here. 903-445-9701. Or you can email us, prayers at kilgorechurch.com. We can help you today. If you want to be baptized, we can make sure that will happen. Or maybe you're walking with Christ right now. Maybe you've already made that commitment to be saved. Yet, you still struggle. We all do. You need prayers. You need extra people to be praying for you. You need the elders of the church to be praying for you, me to be praying for you, the the church family to pray for you. Send us a message. Call me. Let us know. And we can help you and we can pray for you and we can provide you resources to help you go about this life in Christ. Whatever your need, please respond to God right now. Please wonder, what, what, which of these fruits am I struggling with? And pray that God helps you to get better at it so you can transform your life and you can live a sanctified life in Him. Let's pray to our God. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for loving us and we thank you that you care for us. And God, we pray that you will help us to live a life where we set our sights on things above, God. Father, help us to let these fruits in our life just flourish. Help us to work on this so that we can live a transformed life in you. God, we thank you for loving us and we thank you for caring for us. We thank you that you've sent your son to save us. Save us from this life for an eternal life with you. But God, also to save us, to give us a better life, a more abundant life here on this earth. God, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.